Good morning. We're talking this morning about getting ego out of the way. I don't know if you have someone in your life who reminds you of the Black Knight and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but um, I tell you, um, when I was a freshman in college at Miami University in Ohio, there was a a guy who lived across the hall from me, and um, I'll just call him Scott, because it never surprises me who tracks me down on the internet and says, you were talking about me. And I'm like, how did you, how did you? So we'll just call him Scott. Um, so uh, Scott and I, we, you know, became friends. And, um, you know, Scott, he, he was a lot of fun. He was just like a high energy kind of guy. And so we would hang out and do stuff together. But it didn't take me too long to realize that um, one of Scott's primary objectives in, in our friendship was basically to convince me of how awesome he was. That was like one of his primary goals. Um, and so when he would tell stories about anything, he always came out looking perfect. Like he was, he was the man in like every single category of life imaginable. It didn't take me long to realize that like, you know, there was some serious embellishing going on. Because whether it was like, you know, the supermodels that he had dated, you know, when he was in, in high school or um, just how amazing he was at like every sport there was. Um, or, you know, the fact he would, he would constantly say, you know, how he would, he, had, he would let us know, you know, I haven't studied at all for this, you know, organic chemistry test. At all. I haven't, like, one, I haven't even looked at the papers. And then he'd come home, and he'd bring the, you know, he'd bring the grade back as, like, a perfect score. And so, you know, he did, I mean, this kid had, like, a larger-than-life ego. And, um, you know, sometimes, though, you're in college, this is a dorm room, I'm just, I'm kind of just, you know, you're stuck with the guys that you're, you're living with. So anyway, we, we kind of had this, this bizarre friendship. And, but one of the things that, that really bugged me about him, and since we're done with the homework, right, the no complaining thing, right, that was last week, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm so ready to uh, start complaining again. Um, so the thing that just bothered me ab- about Scott was, and I don't know if you have anyone like this in your life, but he always had to be right always. He was never wrong. And even when we were in an argument where it was so clear because like literally the facts were down, like, and it was proven, like there was not even a shadow of a doubt that he was wrong. He still couldn't be wrong. He refused to admit that he was wrong and he would just lie and just do it. He could not be wrong. It was so bad. And like, literally he could not apologize either for anything. And, and so literally like in, in the whole time that I was friends with this guy, my freshman year, he never once apologized, never once admitted at all to have ever made a mistake or to be wrong. And what I realized about my friend, Scott, you know, as I started, as he started, you know, I get to know him better. He started to tell different stories. I started to see some things that were below the surface. So on the, on the surface, there was this tremendous ego, right? All this pride and arrogance, but below the surface, there was, there was something else that was there. And I remember, you know, one of the things that was odd about him, here was this guy who was like the coolest guy in the world, right? Just like he was the, he was the man. He could not go down to the dining hall without someone with him. Like he refused to go to lunch by himself or dinner by himself. He, he just couldn't do it. You start to think, well, why? Maybe because he was worried that someone would think he was a loser. Um, he would tell these stories about um, high school and he would brag about how he was like, his house was like the place to be because his parents would take these trips, like these prolonged trips for like a month at a time to Europe. And so he would totally rain the house and he'd have these wild, crazy parties and like everyone would come and how awesome it was, right? He would just brag about how it was the greatest thing ever. And you know what I started to realize was what, was, what, was, what he wasn't saying was, and I could just feel this, 
You know, he was basically saying, you know, man, my parents were, he would say, like, they were never around. It was great. What was he really saying? I can hear him saying, yeah, my parents were never around, man. Like, they kind of abandoned me. He didn't say that. But that was underlying all this pride, all this ego, all this arrogance that he had going on. And so what I started to realize through my friend Scott, he actually gave me a great gift. And the gift is that he helped me to realize um, just a foundational link in when you meet someone with, with tremendous pride or ego in their life, uh, and this isn't always the case, but very often the case, um, what's happening is you've got pride and it's covering up. It's a facade that covers up our insecurities and our fears. And so the reason that my friend Scott always had to be right is because if he was ever wrong, then there was a major problem. He was always trying to prove himself worthy of having friends, of worthy of being in relationships with people. He was trying to prove himself worthy of being loved. And that's why he had to, you know, he didn't feel great about himself, so he had to put on this facade that says, hey, I, you, can, you can hang out with me, I'm cool. You see, so if, I'll just, you know, let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you... You know, you saw that this was the message in the series, um, you know, getting ego out of the way. And maybe you're like, man, I couldn't wait to get to church this morning because I've got this person in my life and they have such this crazy big ego. Or maybe you even invited someone here with you this morning because you just really wanted them to hear this message. Okay, if you got invited here this morning, by the way, be very skeptical, okay? You are being manipulated right now, okay? Just so you know. But maybe that's you, okay? And that's okay, that's human nature. Jesus talked about that, that it's our natural tendency to focus on others before we focus on ourselves. And that's okay. That's why I'm starting here, okay? I'm starting at baseline because our natural reaction is not to think about ourselves. It's to think about that other person with the pride, that other person with the ego. If you're here and you're like, yeah, I have that person. How do I get their ego out of the way, okay? Unfortunately, that's not what most of the message is gonna be about, but I'm throwing you a bone right now, Okay? If you have someone and they have tremendous ego issues, problems, they have a lot of pride, this will hopefully help you a little bit. Below the surface, most likely, there are tremendous insecurities and fears and feelings of unworthiness. And so there's a front that is put on to cover over those to make that okay. And so... You know, I'm not saying you go home or you go to that person that you're dealing with and you start to say, I understand you've got some real insecurities. And that's not what I'm saying. Okay. But what I'm saying is this is very helpful for you to know that the Bible says knowledge is power. Okay. So this is the power to you is to know that that's what's going on underneath the surface. And maybe you can try and find out how to lovingly serve them and to try and gently come around them and help them with maybe some of their fears or their insecurities. You have to do a lot of praying about how to deal with that. But that's very helpful for me in dealing with people like my friend Scott. Okay? Now, here's the challenge. For the rest of this message, we are not going to be thinking about other people. Okay? What we have been talking about in this Eight Essentials of Great Relationships series is we have to focus on what's within our control, what we can do. Okay? So we're going to look at how do we get the ego out of the way in our lives. Um, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for those of you who, um, you know, maybe you haven't been here in a few weeks or whatever. And um, we've been looking at that chapter, and it, the fundamental thing that makes this whole thing go okay, is love. And we have understood that the dictionary definition of love is different from God's definition of love. So for those of you here, just help us out. 
Okay, there's a fill-in. We're not going to show it yet. I want to see how many have been paying attention. So love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a, it's a decision. It's a choice. It's something that we do. It's an act of the will. So again, fill that in. We're going to keep hitting on that so that can kind of sink into our brains. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. And so we've been looking at, you know, patience and kindness and envy. And this week, we're looking in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love does not boast. Love is not proud. And that's where we are this morning. Um, many of us have heard this popular verse that's quoted, okay? Especially if you grew up in church or, you know, whatever. You've probably heard the verse in 1 Peter 5.5 5, that says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, or as the New Living Translation says, but favors the humble. God opposes the proud, but, but favors the humble. And we, we've heard that, and like, yeah, that's, you know, that's cool. That's a good reminder that we need to be humble. Um, but what's interesting is that in 1 Peter chapter 5, actually the whole little section of that letter in chapter 5, it gives some practical ways that we can root out pride in our lives. It's a great section, and so we're going to look at that this morning because it really gives us a great explanation for how do we get ego out of the way in in our life. So um, before we go any further, if you guys would join me, let's uh, bow with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this morning. Um, We thank you that we could be here uh, to just freely worship you. And um, God, this is hard because uh, when it comes to pride and when it comes to ego, our natural tendency is, uh, is not to see it in ourselves. We have major blind spots in this area. I know I do, big time. So help us, God, speak to us, reveal your truth to us, and show us uh, how we can get ego out of the way so we can be more effective in, uh, in following you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to read um, seven verses here, and I want to set this up so you kind of know what's going on. So 1 Peter is in the New Testament, and um, it's one of the letters that Peter wrote to a series of churches in the first century, and he's writing to Christians. But in chapter 5, he turns his attention to the elders in these churches, okay? The elders were those who had been appointed to positions of leadership. They were there to oversee the congregations to make sure that everything was going well. They were in a position of power. And so what Peter is doing in 1 Peter 5 is he's saying to these elders, you know, I want you to realize that pride, you know, it, that's a big deal, okay? You've got you've to guard yourself against pride. And then he gives them these practical instructions because obviously anytime you get in a position of leadership, a position of, of power, you have the possibility of your ego getting in the way. So it's, it's written to them. I think it really speaks to us today. And um, so let's just jump right in. First Peter 5, 1 Peter 5.1, he says this, And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. So I'm going to stop there. So here's the deal. He's saying to these elders, he's like, look, you've been appointed to this position of leadership. You've been given this power and this responsibility. And he's saying, listen, here's the thing that you need to grasp. You need to take care of your people. 
Okay, don't consider yourselves in a way high up position of power, but care for the flock, care for the congregation, is what he's saying. Okay, so what he's saying to them, and this is this, this will spell it out even further as we go through. But what he's saying is, you are there to serve them. That's that's your position as an elder. You are there to serve the congregation. So what that gives us is this fundamental principle in this passage is that pride is rooted out by service. If you'd like to follow along, please fill this in. Pride is rooted out by service. But here's the deal. It's not just any kind of service. There's a specific kind of service. There's a specific sort of mentality that goes into service. And if we think about this, this makes sense to us because We've probably all been in positions where we've had to volunteer and do something. We've been in a, a place of service. We've served on a board or served, a, you know, at a soup kitchen or volunteered in some way. And the person who you were rubbing shoulders with who was right next to you serving, they were like the most arrogant, prideful, self-absorbed person that you've ever met. So it doesn't just magically, they like, they're transformed just because they're, they're going down and they're volunteering somewhere, right? So... Let's look at specifically what the Bible says about how we are to serve and the kind of service that roots out pride. So he says in verse 2, So, okay, guys, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Willingly, not grudgingly. So there's basically two ways that we can serve. We can either serve willingly, which is the way that we're supposed to serve, or we can serve grudgingly. And I love that word grudgingly. You know, it's just it's such a great word. Oh, you're just carrying a grudge. And the whole time that you're doing it, um, you know, you kind of have this, this underlying thing. You know, God is so much more concerned with the heart. You know, we see that from Jesus especially, the heart and our motivation behind something than actually sometimes what we're actually doing. And so when we serve grudgingly, this is what it looks like. We kind of have this mentality of like, okay, fine, I'm going to do this. I know that I have to. Okay, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. But really... There's this sense of like it's beneath me, you know, like I really there's someone else should really be doing it This is way below my standard my level. I can't believe I have to stoop down and do this task I'm such so much more important than that Um, The other the other way that this manifests itself when we when we serve grudgingly And this is so evident for me is we serve with just this like really bad attitude Our attitude stinks and you might serve you might go do that thing But you're totally in a bad mood and you're either really vocal about it or you kind of, like me, I'm more passive-aggressive, you know, which is so cool. My wife loves that about me. <coughs> but, um, you know, and I'll just give you an example. Um, so in my house, Tuesday night is trash night, okay? That's when, you know, all the trash has to be taken out. And um, it's, it's one of those things. Becky's like, it's your only household chore. How is this a big deal for you? But anyway, that's my wife. Um, I have other chores. I just can't think of them. But, you know, the... the um, the trash night thing, I, I just really despise it. I don't like it. And I know that I serve grudgingly in this way. Um, because what I do is as soon as it's over, I block it out. Like, it's just one of those, like, horrific experiences. Like, you had a bad experience in high school or something. You know, you just block it. It's just done. I don't even think about it. So the next Tuesday comes around, I'm totally shocked when next Tuesday comes back around and i got to do it again because I block it out. But what happens is we'll be sitting there. And the kids are to bed. i got three kids. We get, we get the kids to bed, you know house gets cleaned up whatever we finally like sit down to relax have a few minutes and then becky not in a mean way but just very nicely is like oh don't forget it's trash night you know trash night is one of those things that because her dad did it in her house if my marriage is going to stay together i'm doing it in our house you know what i'm saying like it's just one of those things and so but as soon as she says it's trash night in like the sweetest most gentle voice it's like ah like just dagger and i'm like dang it 
you know, so I'm like, oh, you know, and I get up and here's how I do it. I take the trash out, you know, I pull the trash bag out and we got the recycling stuff and I'll purposely, I'll purposely kind of knock a few cans on the floor. So it kind of like rattles around. She's in the other room. And what I'm trying to get her to understand is that this is a lengthy, very difficult process. Okay, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into this thing. This isn't just take a bag to the street. No, no. There's like a thousand garbage cans in my house. We've got a diaper genie. You know, those, th- those things are terrible. Okay, terrible. They-, they say that they don't smell. It's-, it's ridiculous. Okay, that's totally ridiculous. They all stink. Okay, so she has to know that this is a huge deal to me. This is like laying down my life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm walking around the house and I'm like banging into stuff. I'm making, no- I'm grunting, I'm groaning, you know. Um, and, and then when I get outside, especially this time of year, you know, I make sure to be like, oh, it's freezing out there. You know, I'm, and I want her now I was running this by her last night, the, the, the sermon. She had no idea I did any of this stuff. Okay. No, totally clueless. She's in the other room. She's happy. It's all totally for nothing. Why do I do this? What, wh- why, why am I doing that? What underlying do I, do I want? What is my thing? Well, I want her to notice and I want her to appreciate me. I want her, basically, when I walk back in the house, I want her, like, standing on a chair, you know, just like, oh, honey, that was amazing. You are the best husband. You know, that's, that's like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I, I want, like, all this recognition and motivation because I just can't stand doing it. I'm totally serving with a grudging, a, a grudging spirit, a grudging attitude. The Bible says we're to serve willingly. <laughs> the Bible tells us, and what that basically looks like is, hey, you got to do that thing, you got to serve, okay? You do it, you don't complain, you just get on, and you just make it happen with a good attitude, you know? So here's the thing, I know that, totally know that, that's, of course. And every week, you know, when I come back in from my little tirade, my little temper tantrum, like my, my four-year-old son, you know, um, I realize that's totally immature, it's ridiculous, okay? But sometimes I can't get my attitude. You ever know you're in a bad mood and you, you don't want to be in the bad mood? Like you're legitimate, but you can't figure out, like, why am I still in the bad mood? I don't want to be. Well, this is one of those things for me. And so how do you do that? How do you go from grudgingly serving to willingly serving? Well, it's right here in the rest of verse 2. This is just beautiful. If you, if you miss everything else, don't miss these next few words. So he says, watch, out, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Now, you guys, this represents a dramatic shift in our thinking. This is a radical paradigm shift for us right here. Because basically, what this is, is when we are serving, it's not in any way, shape, or form about us or for us. Okay, it's, it's not for, it's not, we're not doing this to be recognized, to be applauded, to be celebrated, for someone to tell us how great we are at taking out the garbage. That's not what it's about. If you're doing it that way, you're never, ever going you know, to get on, on board with what the Bible has to say about the way to serve. But here's the interesting thing. It's not for me when I'm taking the garbage out. What God is saying here, it's not ultimately about my wife either. You're not even serving for that person. Who are you serving for? For God but because you are eager to serve God. You know, one of just the most important things that you can understand is that one of the greatest ways that you will serve God in your lifetime is by serving other people. One of the greatest ways that we serve God is by serving others. So, you know, if you're here this morning and you're married, 
one of the greatest ways that you will serve God is by serving your spouse. If you're here this morning and you've got a difficult situation with a roommate or a boss or a colleague or a neighbor, um, one of the greatest ways that you will honor and serve God is by serving that person. Humbly serving that person. So if you want to build a better relationship, what I encourage you to do is as you are doing whatever that task is, right? And we all have those things that we just know this is part of my role. I, this is what I have to do, right? I've got to do this thing. Is If you want to get into a willing spirit, start doing it for God. Don't do it. Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for that other person at all. You are doing it for God. Now, I got to tell you, you may be here and you're like, okay, I was really enjoying that first part of the message where you were talking about that guy, Scott, and how we were focusing on someone else who was really full of themselves. Um, because as I'm thinking, this is what you might be thinking. I'm thinking about this person that, okay, that I'm supposed to be serving. And they're, like, honestly, Derek, like, they're really the prideful one. I mean, seriously, all joking aside, like, they're the ones with the major ego problem. And you're asking me to go and then serve them. And that's really difficult for me. What I think is interesting is uh, the next verse in this passage, in verse 3. Again, this is written to these elders, okay? And here's what it says. It says, Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And so what Peter is doing here is he's writing and he's showing them a, a foundational principle of leadership. It's the principle of influence. And he's basically saying, look, you're in a power position. You could just lord it over them. You could dictate all the action. But he's saying, don't do that. That's not how influence really works. That's dictatorship. The way influence works is you, you set an example. You, you model it for them. So if you're here this morning and you're like, but you just don't understand the, the amount of ego of this person and you're asking me to humble myself and serve them, that's only going to feed their ego, right? That may be what you're thinking. Oh, this is, they're going to win out. This is, this is like great for them. This is going to build their pride. No, that's not true. The, the, the principle of influence says that what we are to do is to, we, we are to serve in that humble way and that with that willing spirit and just to be an example, okay? And just allow that, you, what you got to do a lot of times in this situation is you just got to be that example. You're not serving for them, okay? It's not that they get the big win and you're, they win and you lose. It's ultimately you're glorifying God. And then you just say, and God, you just got to take care of the rest. I'm just going to humbly serve, and you will be surprised. This is not a quick fix by any means, but if you do this with the right attitude and you do it willingly and cheerfully, that will start to impact. Now, if you're grudgingly serving them, it totally won't work. It totally won't work because they'll just see that you're miserable, and it just there's, there's no good example there. There's no modeling. But if you can legitimately, willingly serve that person as if you're just serving God joyfully, you will start to see an impact. It might take years. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's easy. But that is um, timeless truth from the Bible. All right, and then verse 4, which I just think is, is really cool about God, because God knows me and he knows you. And uh, one of the things that God knows about us is that um, we actually, you know, this is all sounds great, but we still need a little reassurance that, like, he's going to make it all right in the end and it's going to be fair and all that stuff. So here's what verse 4 says. So Peter writes, And when the great shepherd appears, the great shepherd is referring to who? Anybody know? Jesus Christ. Uh, so when Jesus appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. And that day, when you see God face to face, 
you'll get your reward. So basically, it's just a little reassurance of saying, you know what? I know this is difficult. You know, serving in this way, you know, it's, it's kind of a thankless deal. Don't worry. Just hang in there and just know that in the end, God's going to work this out. Okay? So just, just breathe easy. It's cool. God's like, I, I got you. I understand. It's cool, though. You can ju- just do it. It's going to be fine. We'll, we'll take care of it in the end. All right. Um, at this point, I'd like to bring up uh, Patrick Salveri. Uh, he's going to come up, and um, as he's making his way to the stage, um, as I was preparing this message this week, um, this guy right here who's about to walk up, he, I, I could not shake him from my mind because as I was putting this message together and, and you know, these principles of humility and service and how they're all intertwined, um, you know, Patrick just kept, you know, I just kept thinking about this guy. And um, there's so many incredible servant types here at this church. But I told him, I'm like, because, you know, when we, when we talked, he was just like, oh, no, I couldn't, you know, somebody else wouldn't be me. And I, I said, no, I can't shake you from my mind. I, I have to bring you up here. And so he basically said that he would come up here under one condition, that I wouldn't make him talk very much. Okay. So um, many of you guys uh, recognize this face. Because um, Patrick uh, is at the door pretty much every single Sunday for both services, uh, giving you guys that warm welcome when you come in and, um, and just, you know, helping to set the tone for, uh, for the church service, uh, along with so many other great committed folks. And, um, you know, what I love about Patrick is that um, he, you know, he's got, this, he's got this big smile. He's got a great personality. He's just like so much fun to be around. Um, and so he's just like this incredible person. But the thing about him is, like, he's just, he's just totally got this heart to serve. I mean, it, not just serving at the front door, but literally he's one of those guys that, that I could walk up to and be like, dude, the toilet's overflowing, you know, in the men's room right now, and it's really bad, dude. Like, is it cool? Can you? And he'd be like, I'm on it. He would just be like, boom, willing heart. Let's just done He's done it, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think I blocked that out too. Um, but anyway, um, so I, I called Patrick this week, and um, – I was trying to, you know, fish around a little bit. I said, I'd like for you to come up and share a little bit of what, how do you get in this mode, okay? Because me, the grudgingly, taking out the garbage, I need this too, you know? How do you get, because he's just constantly grounded, he's always willing to serve, he's serving with the right spirit, you know? And I, so I'm asking him, you know, you guys want to know something? Um, it was the most awesome conversation and the worst, and the most frustrating conversation all at the same time, because as I was asking Patrick to tell me, like, well, what makes you tick, and how does this work, and how do you stay grounded, and how do you stay? You know what he kept coming back with? Well, first of all, you know, have you thought about asking this person, and this person, and this, and I serve with these guys, and, like, this person's amazing, and, like, I'm not the right person for this, okay? Which totally proved my point, but got me nowhere with my soundbite. You see what I'm saying? So, and, uh, and so I'm like, well, you know, I'm fishing around. It actually got so bad that we finished up Friday night, or I don't even remember. And then the next night, I had to call him again. We had to do the whole conversation again because I'm like, you got to give me something, dude. So, um, but that's just Patrick. You know, that's just who he is. Um, and so anyway, we got to a point where, where um, I said, well, just tell, like, what is it that motivates you? You know, I was asking the same question like 10 different ways. I need you to give me something about you. And you know what? He just, he couldn't. And you know what he said? He says, you know what does it for me? You guys. That's what he said. He said, you guys. You know? And uh, that was a theme. It was a recurring theme as I would ask these questions in different ways. Um, but then finally, finally, 
I wrestled a little something out of him. I managed to get him to focus on himself for a second. And um, and said, you know what, Derek? He said, um, I just believe that God has placed me here for a reason. And I'm just a spoke in the wheel. I'm just doing my part. But God has put me here. And so he had this understanding that ultimately he's here because of God's doing. He's here to serve God. Um, and, he, and you also said... Um, that, you know, when you're here and when you're serving, that it just has such a tremendous impact on your spiritual journey. That serving is just such a vital part of your relationship with God and keeping you humble and all that stuff. So um, I finally wrestled that out of him after like hours on the phone with this man. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Um, but you did promise me that you would share just one parting shot for everybody. So go ahead, man. First things first. This Patrick guy... I'd like to meet him. (laughs) My wife, Valerie, and I, we started coming here back in uh, January uh, 2004. And we love it here. We've really grown. We've met some fantastic people in here. I think... My, um, my rewards are in the relationships that I have made here. I have made some. I've, I've met some fantastic people. As I look around, I look at Bobby back there. Bobby could easily be up here. He does anything asked at Grace. I look at Chuck hiding up in the back. Chuck could do anything in this place as well. So this place is filled with with humble, cool people. I look at Pastor John over there. We talk about humble. Trying to give Pastor John a compliment is, man, it's like trying to pull teeth. But um, I think God has placed me here. And um, what I do here is, um, I think it's in line with God's will for my life. Derek asked me, why do I serve? You know, the bottom line is because God says so, you know. Um, I've walked into this place several times, just beaten down and needing a boost. And people come running, you know. I've been on that wall several times with the prayer group. And, you know, sometimes... My burden isn't always lifted, but it, it's lightened. I go over there and it, it's lightened. I feel better. So, um, like I say, I'm, I'm just really glad to be here. And I'm a, I'm a continue trying. Thank you very much. We appreciate you, Patrick. Thank you. That was very difficult for him. I had to cash in a lot of favors to get him up here, just so you guys know. All right. Um, this section concludes with verses 5 through 7. It says, In the same way, 
you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. So now what Peter's doing is he's shifting his focus from just these elders, these, these people in leadership, and he's, he's widening his scope now. And then he says, and all of you, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. I'm going to give you um, your homework assignment for this week. So the complaining, that's behind us now. Complaining assignment is, is done. Uh, your homework from this week is a First Peter 5, 5 challenge. Here's what I want you to do. Every day this week, sometime in the morning when you, when you wake up, uh, I want you to ask God, just pray to God, say, God, uh, could you please give me the opportunity to humbly serve somebody today? Just give me the opportunity to humbly serve somebody. And if you're here today, and as you've been coming through this relationship series, there may be somebody that each week, as, as you're hearing the message, there's a certain person that is on your mind, okay? There's a certain relationship that, like, God has just put on you, okay? Here's what I want you, I want to up the stakes a little bit. I want you to ask, if there is a person that specifically, you're like, man, I, this is a challenging relationship for me, or this is a relationship that I think about the most, or that when I come here, it's really like I'm locked in on that relationship, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray even more specifically, God, please give me the opportunity today to humbly serve that person today. Give me some way to humbly, to willingly, to lovingly serve that person today. That is your homework assignment each day this week. Then verse 6 and 7. Uh, and, and I just think this is just, it's just an awesome charge to kind of conclude this section of the letter. Uh, it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Especially if maybe you're worried about that person, you know, you're serving. All right, am I going to get my due? Give all your worries and cares to God. God's going to work it out. For he cares about you. Um, we're going to take communion this morning. That's how we're going to conclude our service. So if, uh, if you're part of the communion team that are serving this morning, go ahead and uh, get the elements. And, and if you could please take your spot at the station. I'm going to ask the music team to go ahead and come forward. They're going to play a couple of songs for us. Uh, but here's what I want to do. We're going to, um, we're going to uh, pray here in just a minute, and then we're going to begin our time of communion. Um, I think this is just the perfect message to have communion with, because uh, the whole point of taking communion is to remember the humble sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross. And so, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you, like me, have your own um, type of struggle. You know, maybe it's not taking out the garbage, but maybe it's something else. You struggle with really struggling to humble yourself and serve somebody in some capacity. I bet we all have struggles like that. If you're struggling with being able to serve willingly and to ultimately serve God, Jesus Christ is the supreme example. I mean, you have to understand, and we'll show it up on the screen as you're taking communion so you can just reflect on the verses. I'm not going to show it now. But basically in Philippians chapter 2, uh, we're reminded that, that Jesus Christ came down out of heaven and gave up all the privileges of eternity and took human form and humbled himself 
for us. He served us. He died on a cross for our sins so that we would be forgiven, so that we would be able to have eternal life through him. He is our supreme example. And ultimately, you know, as great as it is that he did that for us, which he did, you know, ultimately, he was serving his father. He was doing this because that was the will of his father. He was serving his father in heaven. Maybe you're here this morning, and, um, you know, when I was talking about this whole idea, we put on this front, this facade, and um, that that's a cover for insecurities that we have, a cover for fears, feelings of unworthiness. Maybe you, you struggle with that. That really resonated with you. Um, I want you to know that what's so amazing about God is that God wasn't just satisfied with creating us and giving us this beautiful life and giving us this beautiful world that we live in, but he actually went to great lengths. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us. He went as far as to demonstrate how much he loves us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us so that no matter what we've done, no matter what our insecurities, no matter how bad we feel about ourselves or what our life has looked like, God is saying, none of that matters to me. You are worthy no matter what. I love you no matter what you have done. That is the message of the cross. That is what we celebrate today as we celebrate communion. So we're going to bow our heads to pray, and then um, you are all are welcome who would like to come forward to receive communion. God, um, this is a tough one. Um, we just thank you for... Um, for the opportunity you give us to search our hearts, to search our our motivations, God, um, help us to serve in the way that you would want us to serve. Help us to dig pride out of our lives. Help us to serve with a willing spirit. God, help us to remember that it's not about us. It's not even about the person we're serving, that it's ultimately about you. That is why we serve. Lord, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to show us how much you love us, God. To show us that we're forgiven and we're redeemed. We celebrate that. As we take that bread that symbolizes your body, Jesus, as we take that cup that symbolizes your blood, we thank you for the amazing humility that you displayed and the incredible sacrificial mode that you had your whole life on this earth. Help us to model that, God. Help us to channel you. Help us to live lives the same way. Um, Lord, we thank you. And uh, we offer this time to you. In Christ's name, amen.